Welcome to another edition of the Music Academy Success Podcast. Music Academy Success is the largest and number one program for music school owners. Since 2008, master business coach Marty Fort has worked with school owners and teachers in 44 states and on six continents. On the Music Academy Success Podcast, you'll hear interviews with music lesson industry leaders so you can learn how to better your business by getting more students, keeping students longer, and building the music school and lifestyle of your dreams. And now, here's your host for the podcast, CEO of Music Academy Success, Mr. Marty Fort. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and I'm so excited to be here with you today with marketing legend, coaching legend, speaking legend, all-around legend, Mr. Dan S. Kennedy, to discuss his new book, The Best of No BS. And, um, you know, uh, there's some special things about this book. You know, one, the chapters were selected and excerpted from 12, that's right, 12 different No BS books of his. Um, there's a great table of contents that lays them all out, spanning his work from 2004 to the present day. Uh, number two, it was chosen as a best of by editors at Entrepreneur Magazine. And number three, I think this is really, really cool for the business owners on the call today. You know, it's a book to use, <clears throat> not just to read. And what that means is, uh, and the math program is similar. Those of you guys that know Music Academy Success, we're big on checklists. But Mr. Kennedy's provided for you in this new book 17 checklists throughout, along with details about them. So we're going to spend some time together today going over different sections of the book. And um, specifically, since we are a music studio coaching program, I've gone through some items on here that I think especially resonate not only with all business owners, but especially us in the services niche for music construction. So first of all, let's welcome to the call. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be with you. Well, thanks so much. And um, we've got a lot to cover in very little time. So I'm going to dive in, kind of break the ice with, um, with this question about your new book. The Best of No BS, which again, guys, is available today at Amazon.com um, and also at Entrepreneur.com slash bookstore. Um, you know, why an, yet another How to Succeed in Business book now? And, you know, what motivated you to start the series of No BS books in the first place? Well, so the first book was, uh, was written in 2004. There were a couple preceding books, but I basically uh, got started for real in business in 1975. And I suppose, like a lot of folks, uh, one of the places I looked for help was the bookstore. And I quickly found myself sort of revolted by what I found in the business section. There were sort of three types of business books. One were written by academic uh, pinheads, alphabet soup after their name, theorizing from the classroom, uh, but they wouldn't last a week running a Dairy Queen or a music school. Right. Um, uh, the second group was corporate. You know, it was mostly current and former corporate executives uh, writing about corporate life and small business and big business are, of course, two very different animals. Um, and it's very dangerous to look at what big business is doing and try and copy that in a small business. The third category was authors, speakers, consultants, coaches. However, for the most part, they had never done any of what they were writing, speaking, consulting, or coaching about. 
they were actually basically giving book reports of books that had come before them written by the same type of people. Uh, so I kept notes. <laughs> um, and as I figured things out, and I'm pretty good at figuring things out, and I made things work, I, I made notes. You know, a, a small business is a deceptive thing. I just did a call with Ken McCarthy, who you know, and Ken, mm-hmm. and Ken made the point that a business has a lot of moving parts. You know, uh, much like a car, it's not just it's not just the engine. Um, and so, as I figured out the whole process, and all businesses are the same at core process, always have been, always will be. Somehow, you have to attract attention to great leads. Somehow, you have to process leads into funnels and platforms where you convert them to eligible prospects. And somehow, you have to convert prospects to customers, clients, or patients. And somehow, you have to convert them to customers, clients, or patients who stay, pay, and refer over a period of time. So as I figured things out, I took notes. Uh, my notes, unsurprisingly, were very different from all the business literature uh, that I had encountered. Uh, and so in early 2000, I decided it was time to turn my notes into real business books for real business people. And I identified them as no BS. And uh, that's that's been a brand built now over a long period of time. And it means exactly what it says. Absolutely. Well, I've got almost all the books, and they're all amazing, and um, as is this one. You know, let's, let's kind of dig deep a little bit. If you look at Section 1, which is taken from the book, The No BS Direct Marketing and No BS Social Media Marketing, you know, what is your push for all businesses to adapt and use direct marketing? What's that all about? So David Ogilvy, one of the great admin. Uh, decades ago, I was yelling at the people in his agency, and he said, only the mail-order people know what they're talking about. And um, what he meant was facts and information instead of opinions and beliefs. The mail-order folks had data. Uh, they knew what actually worked. They ran split tests they, and so forth. Now, mail-order is an antiquated term. And it has essentially been replaced by direct marketing or direct response marketing. Uh, I have sometimes called it magnetic marketing. And lately, trying to hammer the point home, I have started to call it results required marketing. And the book excerpted in here is officially titled The No BS Guide to Direct Marketing for Non-Direct Marketing Businesses. And so what I mean by all of that is results required is using an approach to marketing, and there is a Ten Commandments of that uh, there in that chapter, Um, using results required marketing is the only way you are guaranteed results. Um, It imposes harsh 
dollars and cents accountability on everything you do and every part of everything that you do. And unless you are a, unless you are funded by Wall Street or Silicon Valley, uh, if you emulate big business in the way they approach brand building, the way they approach social media, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you're going to wind up at bankruptcy court because um, uh, you're going to run out of money before you're famous. So small business needs to be very tough-minded and disciplined about getting response and getting results and measuring the results from everything that they do. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I see it a lot in working with you know, music studio owners, and I have for almost 15 years. And I think where a lot of the confusion comes in, and we'll talk about another thing in the book you talk about, which is brand awareness versus, you know, direct response. You know, a brand to me, Dan, is like Heinz ketchup. You know, so if someone is a ketchup fan and they are partial to Heinz, they can, you know, eat that for the rest of their life. Um, I tend to be a Chevrolet guy, always have been. So I can drive Chevys until they, you know, get bought out or go out of existence. But when you look at a lot of services in different industries, music lessons being one of them, dance lessons being another, um, they have a shelf life. I mean, you know, most people are not going to take lessons for 10 years. Some do, uh, you know, for a couple of years. And that's really where people go because it's that kind of transitory business model of they try out piano, they do piano, and maybe they stick, maybe they don't. So it's, you know, it's crucial that direct response be there. So, you know, everybody comes to me uh, in our program wanting brand awareness, brand awareness, because they really don't know any better. And a lot of advertising, um, social media agencies, and even their family and friends, Dan, as you know, <laughs> um, are urging them to spend on it, right? Um, but you and your series and your teachings argue against it, uh, you know, and you kind of talked a little bit of that with the OB thing. But can you talk more? Why is it important that they get out of this obsession with their brand for their school um, and more into, you know, direct response. So there are excerpts in the book from the book, No BS Brand Building by Direct Response. And so there's, brand is valuable. You want one. And you want some brand awareness in your marketplace, in your community. However, what you don't want to do is patiently and expensively buy it. Um, for a variety of reasons, including the one you mentioned, that in your business, customer life has a limit. So the other approach to brand building, which is featured here, is doing it by direct response. So we have a marvelous example in front of us right now that everybody ought to pay attention to. And they will immediately say, yeah, but I'm in the music school business, but get over that in a sense, is the MyPillow guy. So the MyPillow guy has spent, uh, has sold uh, 70 million pillows. That's a lot of pillows. Mm -hmm. It's the most mundane, boring, ordinary, commoditized product you could think of. Uh, so you might not pick it if you were setting out um, to build your empire. By selling 70 million pillows, he has built two powerful brands that have absolute brand value. He's built the My Pillow brand, 
which is extendable and extends to all sorts of other products, mostly related to sleep and the bedroom, all the way up to beds. So they sell beds. They sell mattresses. They sell sheets. Uh, they sell nutritional supplements to help you with your sleep. All of that by brand extension, and that's a very powerful thing. The second brand he's built is him, the My Pillow guy. Who doesn't know him at mm-hmm. this point? And that has real value and extends beyond product that is directly related to sleep because he has trusted relationship with the market, with his personal brand. So, for example, he's now in the coffee business. Not only has he done that for free, so the direct response marketing that has sold 70 million pillows is what has built the brands. He also has the names, addresses, phone numbers, and email addresses of at least 35 million people who have bought something from him and know who he is. And you wouldn't have that with traditional brand building. Right. So if you analogize that, I can build a powerful brand in a community or a market for Dan's Music Schools. Mm-hmm or the Kennedy Music Academy, or whatever, by selling, advertising, marketing, and selling music lessons, and my music lessons, and my approach to music lessons, and how to have a safer, smarter, more respectful kids as a result of taking music lessons. And I can make money doing that. And at the same time, I can build my brand. Uh, we had the exact same experience as my pillow guys directly involved with it at Guthy Raker with Proactive, uh, the Acti Glop, which, by the way, is sold to the same, the same kids you're selling to um, in your business. And we built a billion-dollar brand without a nickel spent on brand advertising, all on direct response. So sale first, brand second. Rather than brand first, we get to get to sales second. I completely agree, and I think so much of it happens. I see this in a lot of industries, but specifically music schools, hair salons will do this. A lot of businesses do this, but they're they're ego-driven by the owner. They want to get their name in it. And it's, as you said, the brand of their name first, them on the billboards, that kind of thing. Well, look, and I think they're peer-influenced. It's incestuous, right? You look around at what everybody else is doing and think, well, obviously that's the way this is done. So I'll try and do it incrementally better. Um, When really... The correct entrepreneurial response is, gee, if everybody else is doing this, I know that that's been arrived at by incestuous copycatting. <laughs> so my opportunity is in doing something entirely different and doing it differently. So that's 
a mindset that then has real practical applications. Absolutely. Um, you know, Section 4, uh, which is from the No BS Wealth Attraction and the No BS Business Success in the New Economy books, um, you know, right now we're obviously in a very tough set of economic circumstances specific to us, Dan, and the people that I coach and, and even my schools. Not all, but some are seeing clients quit lessons because they're getting laid off or they're economically squeezed. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. It came out last week. Um, the dollar stores, the dollar trees, and the dollar generals are now seeing an uptick, not only in sales, which we would expect, but sales from people that earn a median income of $80,000 a year. Uh, so even people, you know, in the higher middle are, you know, having problems. So I'm just curious today if you would be willing to give us your read on the economy um, and what it means to the listeners on today's call. So it's very distorted, um, uh, engineered to be distorted. Um, it's, it, 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 it's very weird in the sense that it is a deep and broad recession that is getting deeper and broader. Um, yet, uh, it features very low unemployment, um, which is somewhat deceptive because the less reported number is the near record low workforce participation number. Therefore, we have a labor shortage and we have runaway inflation. These things are usually not combined all at the same time. And the Halloween Horror Show news first, it's not going away anytime soon. This is not a Florida afternoon thunderstorm that lasts for an hour and everybody runs into a doorway, waits it out, and then goes back out at Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that, that's not what this is. Therefore, you can't wait it out. Any thought that you can just suffer for a few months and then everything will be back to normal is a very bad thought. Um, This is going to require creative and adaptive behaviors. Now, Disney's quote still applies. It did even in the Great Depression. There's actually no shortage of money. There's a shortage of imagination. So what's going to be taxed here, tested, is a business owner's creative imagination uh, because there is also opportunity, uh, because herds thin, the weak die, Mm -hmm. which orphans market share. It orphans customers. In your business, it will even orphan instructors. Mm -hmm. So the business owner with creative imagination who adapts to be able to thrive when there is this economic storm can find opportunity. The core necessity never changes, and that is you need consumers with the ability to buy and the willingness to buy now from you in a recession, even when they are not buying or downgrading, they're buying elsewhere. 
So target marketing becomes much more important. Uh, you've got to be able to message to and attract to you people who place a high level of importance on what you do, not an average level of importance. Another way to think about it is one of your marketing challenges is to make yourself an essential, not a luxury. The question is, how can we be the last thing they'll cut? How can we be the last thing they'll downgrade on? Not certainly the first thing. How can we not be a luxury? Oh, it's nice to have music lessons for Susie. How can it be vital for us to provide music lessons for Susie? And that is doable. Much of what is in this book really relates to that. If you make that the goal, you can connect a lot of other things to it. It is achievable. It has happened before. <laughs> um, um, so, I mean, I started really in business during the, the Jimmy Carter into Gerald Ford all the way to the start of the Reagan administration, Great Recession. Gerald Ford's answer was to send everybody a little lapel button, a win button for whip inflation now. Um, so politicians have been silly before. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, a lot of people uh, rolled over and died during that recession. But others were opportunistic and profited. And look, this is a this starts with decision, right? This starts with choice, and uh, we are sometimes confronted with difficult choices, uh, and this is one of them. But uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, that I have up on an office wall is from the movie mogul Sam Goldwyn, who said. This is an impossible situation, but it has great possibilities. It's almost a Yogi Berra-type quote. Um, but it's really just a different version of Napoleon Hill. In every adversity lies the seeds of greater opportunity and achievement. Now, this is not about being Pollyanna. This is not about, I'm going to go sit on the piano bench and think positive thoughts harder. This is about doing practical things. The Nobody Else Wealth Attraction book that's excerpted in this book. Uh, I mean, there's 26 wealth magnets, and roughly half of them are about mindset, how you think about things. But half of them are what you do, uh, about behaviors and about actions. And new and different actions uh, you may be called upon to make in order to succeed. Uh, you know, when for years, uh, Cleveland Brown Stadium had one of the worst fields. A little bit of rain turned it into mud. We had an outdoor stadium up against the lake, so, you know, water was spewing in on it, snow. Uh, guys didn't like coming here to play. Um, and one of the first things that they had to happen was change the cleats on the shoes. And winners 
often go into difficult environments and change the cleats on their shoes. Losers go into difficult environments and insist on keeping the cleats they already had on their shoes, and then they lose. So people are going to have to be creatively adaptive, but if they do, they will find opportunity. Well, I love that, and I hope everybody listening to the call today will re-listen to this, uh, all of the sections of the call, but especially that one, which, again, uh, pulled from Section 4, the excerpt from the No BS Wealth Attraction and the No BS Business Success, the New Economy books, um, which are now nicely, again, guys, bundled into the brand-new book you know that you've got coming out, which is going to be amazing. It's available now on Amazon, The Best in No BS. Um, and I think it's so important for that because, you know, uh, we can't just roll over and – a lot of people are doing. A lot of people are selling their schools. A lot of people are just trying to, as you said, wait it out, which is not the right answer. In Music Academy Success, our program, we've got some that are having their best sales ever, and they're pivoting and making it work and, and, and accomplishing that. Some are flat. Some are down a tick, but not too bad. Um, some that are in you know bad areas or having a hard time. But anyway, we do have a certain amount of control on communicating to people of how necessary it is what we do. And also going into the next one, which is section five, um, you know, one of the things I hear a lot as far as excuses that's hurting our niche and our customers, Dan, is they'll go into excuse mode over, well, they've got a teacher that's a great player, uh, but lately they've just not been putting much effort into it. They're not dressed well. Uh, they're losing students at record numbers. Or I hear the following, well, we like Jane or John in the office, and um, they're great at sales, but they're terrible at everything else. I'm like, well, that's not, you know, they can't process paperwork, you know. So, um, you know, one of uh, the books that you've written that is really one of my personal favorites, and also you said yours. Um, you know, Section 5 comes from the No BS Time Management for Entrepreneurs, and my favorite book being the No BS Ruthless Management of People and Profits. So, you know, you've said that's your, one of your, your favorites, and it's the one you've gotten the most applause for, but the most shocked criticism for you know, so talk about that book and, you know, what's with the word ruthless? So it's, it's intended to be sensationalist um, because most business owners are unfortunately management cowards. And really that's true about how they manage the behavior of their customers. That's how they, about how they manage the behavior of their staff. Uh, their, their vendors, and all the way down to themselves. And it's not affordable uh, really at any time, but it's really not affordable now. The businesses that will be winners when the challenges are tougher are the businesses that will have tougher-minded management and will have very low tolerance for deviant from best practices performance. And it's important to understand, I think, that while at any given time it may be more or less difficult to find and recruit them, there are people for every job position on earth who want to win. They want to win personally. They they want to have some accountable measurement that they can tell their performance is successful, and they want to be on a winning team that they can tell is successful. 
And these people are coachable. These people can be managed. And these people will respond to management. One of the people I was on speaking tour with, spent some time in the green room with, was Coach Jimmy Johnson from the Dallas Cowboys. And Jimmy said that the first step to having a winning locker room is to get rid of all the losers. And he said, so if you have an offensive lineman and he is missing blocks because deviated from the best practice of how to block, he's got his feet in the wrong place, he's whatever, and you have film to prove it, and you sit down with him, if he's a winner, he will say, son of a gun, I didn't know I was doing that. You're right. Let's get me coached up to get this right. Another one is going to say, I've been doing this for 15 years. Don't be telling me about this. Leave. I know what I'm doing, and, and I don't want to hear any of it. And Jimmy said, you keep the first guy, and you trade the second guy to Cleveland. And that is what you have to do. Now, that's ruthless because you can't consider, gee, everybody likes Barbara, mm-hmm. except, or gee, Barbara really needs the job, right. or gee, Barbara's been with me the longest, mm-hmm. or no, you can't because we're, we're in a battle here. We're in a, a competition not only against our competitors, but against circumstances. And it's a tough battle. And in this case, you get to pick who you're in the foxhole with. And you want to pick carefully. And if you're in a foxhole with somebody who can't carry their share of the weight, you got to get them out of there and get somebody to replace them in your foxhole. Absolutely. And, you know, labor shortages... Mutiny, all these things tend to make cowards of many managers. You know, there's a cultural movement. It's just starting to fall apart. I call it reality reasserting itself. Mm -hmm. But there's been a cultural movement trying to tell people you can't manage your business. You aren't supposed to manage your business. And it is emboldened bad behavior on a lot of people's parts. But again, ultimately, you have choice. William James, the founder of Harvard, said the only difference between a man and a pig is the man has a mind with which he can reason. And as a result of that, he gets to make choices. And so you and I get up every morning, no matter what handicaps we may have, temporary or permanent, we have the power of choice. And we need to use it to the fullest extent um, in order to have a winning locker room and for all sorts of other purposes as well. You need to choose your customers. (laughs) You need to choose your students. Uh, You need to choose your price points, et cetera, et cetera. I love that as well. And if you look historically, Elvis, uh, you know, was not confrontational either by nature, which caused him a lot of problems. So that turned out. That amazing advice for the people on the call today, if they can just be more comfortable with doing what's right for their business. Dan, you've got another engagement to run to. We just got a very few handful of minutes. I want to see if we get one quick one in. 
which is from the management for entrepreneurs, you know, uh, um, the, the chat include your 10 best time management techniques. Would you mind sharing a quick one? Yeah. So, and several of the others like fall under this as subsets. It is live by appointment. So, success is largely about the reduction of randomness. And that includes interruption, disruption, being reactive rather than being proactive. President Bush, who I was actually on programs with for two years, had the saying that uh, if you if you don't have your own clear agenda, other people will be happy to impose theirs on you. And also, if you don't know the value of your time, you can't communicate it. And so it won't be respected and you won't be valued. So when you reduce randomness in your business operating system or in your personal operating system, you automatically improve performance. Again, anybody in any sport will tell you this. That's why people practice. That's why they master a golf swing um, and don't want to be random about how they approach and hit the ball. Um, so if you make a study of great CEO, I mean great CEOs and great entrepreneurs, they are very much about this. So the one of the 10 that I would give you is live by appointment. That means everything has a start time and everything has an end time. Absolutely. Well, listen, I'm going to hang on the line a little bit. I know you've got to run, and I've got some information for them um, specific to the music studio industry. But listen, Dan, thank you so much. And again, everybody, the book is available now. Go to Amazon.com. Go to Entrepreneur.com slash bookstore. Dan F. Kennedy, the best of no BS, amazing new book coming out. And Dan, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Marty, and thanks to everybody on the call. Thanks so much. Okay, guys. Well, um, the Music Academy Success Program for you know for 15 years is the largest coaching program in the world. And what we do is we help people of all different scenarios: people that teach in their home, people that drive to students' homes, people that have small schools, 100, 200 students. People that have large schools, 500, 1,000, 4,000. So if you're saying to yourself now that, you know, the current economic times are causing trouble, you're losing too many students, you are uh, having students quit because of finances, um, you're struggling with your time management, you're not able to grow, you've got challenges in your school, and you really need to get to that next level of breaking through, we'd encourage you to check us out. You know, MusicAcademySuccess.com, we offer a full 12-month money-back guarantee. And um, there's no way you can't spend 12 months with us and not grow. And that's really the simple choice. You either grow and you're happy or B, you get every penny back. Um, but we are excited at the Music Academy Success Company right now because we're at our all high for memberships. And we're going to get our annual conference coming up this spring. Um, so come on and check it out. I mean, you know, you are in the music education business. If you never had a business mentor, um, you have to ask yourself why, because we can give you all the done for you tools to help you grow to help you scale, to make you help you improve your time management, help you improve all the things we talked about on the call today. So take the next step and go to musicacademysuccess.com slash apply, musicacademysuccess.com slash apply, and we'll see you soon and work with you and help you to get whatever goals you desire. But thanks for being on the call today, everybody. 
here's to your Music Academy success.